0: Good morning Glenridge, good to see you all this morning, I'll just get my notes out here. Today as I bring what I, what I feel God has put on my heart, I'm just going to sing my own song this morning. <laughs> I've got a beautiful word from Christiania this morning during the prayer time before the service. Can I encourage you, we do pray. Before the service starts here on my left over here at Hoppers Eight, can I encourage you to come and join us? It's, it's a really a good time. It's just us crying out to God and, and hearing what, what on, what's on God's heart for the morning, and just praying into the morning. So if I can encourage you all to just come and join us. But y'all, this morning I'm just going to sing. I'm going to do my own melody. I'm going to take off the capo, <laughs> and I'm to play. I'm going to preach the way I preach. Cool beans. So this morning I wanna we're still part of the how's it, No pressure. <laughs> we are still in the series of He Is. So this morning I want us to look at He Is the true Vine. You know, when I started looking at this and started digging into it, I thought, phew, this is a lot in here. And what do I say? You know? But anyway, here it is. Could we, if you've got your your Bibles with you or your apps or whatever, let's turn to John 15. And I'm going to read for us from verse 1 through to 8. If you believe in Jesus, just a side note, if you believe in Jesus this morning, you already have borne fruit. There's already fruit in your life because you believed in his word. You believed in the word that he has spoken over you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is a beautiful metaphor of a vineyard that Jesus is using to teach us that he is the true vine the only source that is able to bring life and fruitfulness to those who connect themselves to him. There's no vine other than him. There's no other source other than Jesus. Jesus also emphasizes the importance that we as the branches that are connected to him are to remain in him. Because through him and our abiding in him, we are able to bear more fruit. And Jesus also teaches us that the Father is the gardener. The Father is the owner and the caretaker over this vineyard. And that the Father is the one who cleans and prunes the branches so that we may be even more fruitful in our lives. So let's start this morning with the first statement that Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the true vine. What Jesus means by that is, he is saying that he is the only true source of life. There is no other source of life available other than him. No other source can produce life and fruitfulness like Jesus can. The world may look for his life, for this kind of life, in all the worldly vines that are out there. But only Jesus can truly satisfy what the world is looking for. He is the only vine who is able to truly satisfy Listen to what Jesus says here in Isaiah 51, verses 1 through to 3. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? and your labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live. This source of life that Jesus offers as the true vine comes to us at no price. In actual fact, Jesus already paid the price so that we could receive this life from him. This is why Jesus says, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Receiving life from Jesus, there's no price to it. Jesus paid the price on the cross so that we can draw from his life. But Jesus argues, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Can I say, drinking from other vines other than Jesus is like spending money on bread and things that don't satisfy Jesus is saying, why do you go and spend money on on things that is not fulfilling you? Why labor your life on things that don't satisfy? The world continuously is seeking for satisfaction and fulfillment. And it will go down avenues and, and try and drink from vines and wells that just cannot satisfy. Jesus is the only one who can satisfy. When we are connected to vines, and I've just named a few, if we are connected to vines like greed, lust, drunkenness, pornography, idolatry, drugs, we pay a price for those things. Drinking from those vines, from those wells, costs us. And Jesus is calling out, come to me, drink from me. It costs you nothing. In actual fact, it'll, when you begin to drink from me, waters of living water will rise up within you, a spring of living water which will spring up into eternal life. Drinking from the vines of the earth, from the world, does the total opposite, it actually sucks the life out of you. Not being connected to Jesus, the true vine robs our lives of so much. But being connected to Jesus gives us life and life to the full. You know, before, before I met Jesus, I was lost. I was absolutely broken. And because of my brokenness, I got addicted to many un- unhelpful things and behaviors. And because of my condition, I soon found myself drinking from vines that wasn't bringing me life, but was just adding to my brokenness. I was trying to fool something, and it was—it wasn't fulfilling me, and I just became more and more broken. And wherever I would go, I would break. It, 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 the brokenness would affect those around me. But when I encountered Jesus, the true vine, everything changed. When we encounter Jesus, and we come to him and we drink from him, everything changes. I started drinking from his life. I found that as I continued to drink from him, my life began to change. The things that, was, that I personally was addicted to, over time, began to lose their grip on me. And my behavior towards others around me began to change the life of God started to influence my life. But it took me to be connected to the true vine. It took me to remain in Jesus. I didn't change overnight. When we come to Jesus, we don't change overnight. When we come to Jesus, a well breaks open in our lives. And it's at this well of Jesus that we can start drinking. And as we drink from him, he starts cleansing us. He starts changing us from the inside out. Another story I want to share with you is the lady at the well. In John chapter 4. The lady at the well encountered Jesus in a profound way. Jesus when she got there, Jesus asked her, could you give me a drink? And uh, the lady turned to him and said to him, she was a Samaritan woman, and she said, how is it that you, a Jewish man, is asking me a, Samar- a Samaritan for a drink? Sorry, this thing's not is this thing dipping out? It's all good. So why are you asking me? Anyway, and Jesus just bypassed that question. Jesus, in his loving way, always goes for the heart of things. And he says to her, he says to her this. If you knew, oh, sorry, he said, if, if you knew the gift that was right here with you, you would ask of him for, for, water, for, for water, for living water, water that will never end. And then she says to Jesus, "Okay, now give me this water, so that I don't have to come to this well well anymore." And then Jesus again goes straight for the heart. He says, "Okay, bring me your husband." And she says, "I have no husband." And then she realizes that Jesus got a that Jesus is a prophet. There's there's something special on this man because he turns to him and says, "It's right that you answered that you have no husband." In actual fact, you've had five husbands, and the one that you're living with now is not your husband. Jesus then says this to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. In other words, he's saying to the Samaritan woman, you have been drinking from a well of relationships. You have been trying to find your satisfaction in men from something that can't truly satisfy you. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Can I say to you this morning, if you are thirsty today, if you are tired of drinking from vines that only brings you heartache and brokenness, vines that only cost you, come to Jesus, the true vine. Come to him. Drink from him. Let him satisfy. And can I just say, if there's anybody here that is sitting between two, sitting between the true vine and still struggling drinking from another vine, can I encourage you, continue drinking from Jesus. He will clean you. The promise is, if you abide in Him, if you remain in Him, fruit will come in your life. Continue drinking from Him. But something happens. When we begin to drink from Jesus, there's a sweetness that comes from Him that we begin to love. The reason why we drink on, to, on other vines is because our hearts are connected there. We enjoy it. And Jesus wants to wean us off that and drink from Him. This brings me to my second point. Jesus, is a true vine also wants us to know this morning that our ability to bear fruit in our lives only comes from a relationship and our connection to Him. We are mere branches. We are just branches dependent on the vine. Branches cannot do anything on their own. Bearing fruit in our lives is solely dependent on our relationship with Jesus and our connection to him. This is why Jesus says, remain in me. You found me. If you found me, remain in me. Continue to drink from me and fruit will come. You know, I remember remember Stan saying to us once that our being does not come from our doing but our doing should come from our being. In other words, the fruit that we bear in our lives will not come from us trying harder. It's not like somebody walks into the vineyard, into this vine, and says to the branches, okay, come today. Branches, we're going to bear fruit today. Come on, bear fruit, bear fruit. There's a natural process that happens. As the vine, the vine naturally, there's, these, these, there's this life source, the, 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 the juices that runs through the vine, that runs into the, into the branches and begins to feed it. And then the fruit starts developing. It, it's a process. It's, it's time. So we do not bear fruit in our lives by trying harder. But fruit in our lives only come from our being with Jesus. If we try and do without being, if we try and do without being, we will grow tired. And we will find ourselves giving up completely because we've been trying to do it in our own strength. Be with Jesus. Abide, live in Jesus. Even if it's difficult. Even if you do not see the fruit right now, remain there. That's how fruit comes. It's by remaining there. Jesus is on your side. He's on your side. Matthew twelve thirty three. This was a piece of scripture that really, really spoke to me some years ago. And obviously, I mean, you can see I'm, I love tattoos. I'm going to get some more in this arm. Anybody wants to join me, just a side note. Paul, if you want to join me, you're more than welcome to come. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. I put here, when I, when, when I was doing this, I really, I love trees. I don't know much, I don't know the names of trees, like uh, Tom, Tom, you know, Tom is like a fundi at, at, at names of plants. But I love trees, and there was a season that I was going through in my life that God was just speaking to me about trees. And it was actually a season where, where God was doing something in me to help me realize that I'm trying to do and not be. Okay, that's why I've got, yeah, that's why I've got this here, it's just as a as, as a reminder of that. And one of the things it's like, there was a moment where I would. Just being on my own, God would remind me about that story where he healed that blind man. And, and what he did was he got to this blind man and he, and he spat in his eyes. And then he wiped it. And then he, and Jesus asked him, what do you see? And the man said, I see trees walking around. And I was like, okay. That just popped in my mind. I thought, okay. And it's like Jesus saying, that's how I see you. That's how I see I see you as a tree. So, all right, and then I would be. Then God would remind me about Isaiah sixty-one. He says that those who are in Jesus are like, that they are a planting of the Lord, oaks of righteousness, trees. These big trees of oak, of righteousness, a planting of God Himself. And then this one, this one was this this verse, Matthew twelve thirty-three, is the one where it hit hit the nail in the coffin for me. It says this. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Now I want to ask you when you read that verse, what's the first thing that jumps out at you? Fruit. How's my fruit? That's not what that scripture is trying to teach us. The scripture is trying to teach us that make a tree good, it will bear good fruit. Make a tree bad, and it will bear bad fruit. There's many parents in this room. The way we speak over our children has a huge influence in their future. If you build encouraging words, comforting, encouraging words, that words like you can do this, it has an influence. You're building a tree. You're telling that your child, this is the type of tree that you are. And fruit comes from that. Jesus does the same for us. God does the same for us. He looks at us as a father and he says, in you, when I see you, I see you as a good tree. You who are in my son, you who are are, are established in Jesus, you're a good tree. And because you are rooted in Jesus, because you are a good tree, you will bear good fruit. So can I encourage us? Let's not be tree fruit inspectors in our own lives. Let's stop being fruit inspectors. Let's rather be tree inspectors. Let's begin to look at each other and call each other out in such a way that we're, you're a good tree. You are a good tree. Sorry, I actually missed my, I don't know what time, how long I've been on here for. Thanks, thanks. Glenridge. When we abide in Jesus well, when we continue to live in Jesus well, the the fruits in our lives will develop well. I'm going to say that again. When we abide in Jesus well, the fruits in our lives will develop well. This is stewardship. We steward our relationship with Jesus. Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, how are you stewarding your life, your relationship with Jesus? Because the way that you steward it will determine the fruit that you will bear in your life. We all know life has its challenges, but the most important thing that we could ever steward in our lives, it's not our finances, though it's important to steward that well. You know, I'm just thinking now, the top of my head here, Matthew 25, where Jesus gives the parable about the talents, the bags of gold, and where Jesus says to the one, one was given, I think uh, four and the one two and the one one, I could get the I might have the numbers wrong. But the but that parable is about stewardship. The one who was given four. Went and multiplied it. The one who was given two multiplied it to four. But the one who was given one hid it. And when the master came back to see his returns, the ones who multiplied, he said, Well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into my happiness. And the one who gave the one who buried it, Jesus was not so happy with that person. The master was not so happy. He actually said, take away from him. What he, that what I've given him, take, take it all away from him and give it to the one who, who increased the most. The lesson behind that is we have been given a deposit of the life of Jesus in our, in our lives. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? The is coming back. The cost, there was a cost, there was a price. Something so valuable, more valuable than gold, was paid, and it's sitting inside of you. What are you doing with it? Now, back to abiding in Jesus well. The first point I want to make this morning is this. And the reason why I want to make this first point about how to abide in Jesus well is because this point is usually the one that's overlooked. You abide in Jesus well when you remain connected to his body. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another Spur on, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. There are things one can only learn and grow in when you are actively part of a community. You only learn how to love and live well with others when you become actively part of the nuts and bolts of the community that God has placed you in. You can only grow fruit, certain fruit in your life, when you are, com- when you are connected into a community. Can I say this? Can I, I'm going to be a little bit bold here. It's easy to sit on the grandstands and spectate. And you know what spectators do? They judge the referee. (laughs) He made a bad call there. We judge the players. What they should and shouldn't have done. But can I say, if you would get off the grandstands and get into the game, your whole perspective... Of what's actually going on will change. So can I encourage you this morning. Get involved into the nuts and bolts. Of this community. I'm not here to. No one's here to tell you where to do it. Hear from God. When I joined the worship. Team. I felt God called me to it. And I've answered to that. Can I encourage you? We, we have home groups in our church. If You're not part of a home group. If you're able to join a home group, that is a good place where you are going to grow. In actual fact, home group is actually where church happens. That's actually where, where real life happens. Nothing my home group is gonna love this, what I'm about to say here. Maybe lead a home group. <laughs> That's all the bluff. We're the bluff people. Can you put your hands up? We're the bluff guys. <laughs> maybe maybe put your hand up to lead a home group. You don't have to be perfect to lead a home group. Really, you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to you just gotta be connected to the vine. And let Jesus flow through you. And you do it through your being, not your doing. You be with Jesus. As you're doing life with him, he's He's speaking things to you. And that's what you share. That's what you come and give at, uh, and bring in home group. Another place is join our prayer meetings. Or join one of our, our, our serving teams. The heart, to, the heart that I'm trying to put forward here is just Get involved in the community. Something happens when you get involved. If you would just take a moment now, can I just say, just take a look around where you are. This is what the Bible calls the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And can I be brave again and say that if you and I value being with Jesus, if you and I profess that we love Jesus, then we will value being part of this body. Because this body is his body. You cannot love the head without loving the body. And you can't love the body without loving the head. You know, I'm reminded of a quote. I don't know if who of you would, would remember uh, a preacher. He passed away. Uh, a preacher by the name of Billy Graham. I remember many years ago, I heard, I heard a, a, a quote that he said, and, it, and it, it stuck with me for years. And the quote was this. He, he said this. If you find a perfect church, please don't join it. You'd spoil it. Glenridge, there's no such thing as a perfect church. You know why? Because churches are made up of you and me. People. Let us remain connected to the body Jesus has placed us in. And even more, let us love one another by laying our lives down for each other. Through serving each other. This will fulfill the command that Jesus has given us. In John 15, 12, verse 14, Jesus says this. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Another way we remain in Jesus well is through spending time with him, cultivating our relationship with him. See, I'm running out of time there now. I really believe that if we would see the value in spending time with Jesus, we would do it. Could I just say that if you're really struggling in spending time with Jesus on your own, just spending time with Him, praying, reading His Word, if you're really struggling doing that, Maybe you're struggling it's just because you don't see the value in it. And, I, and my prayer this morning is that you would see the value in it. There is great value in spending time with Jesus on your own. That is the place where you abide in Him. That is the place where He nourishes you, where He speaks to you personally. That is where you freely receive from Him. And that is where you can freely, from that space, that what you receive freely is what you can freely give to others. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That word contemplate means to look intently, to look, to stare at, to contemplate, to, to think it over, to, to meditate, to look. So all this verse is, a, is saying that we who have unveiled faces, we who are in Jesus, when we look, on, look intently upon the Lord's glory, Jesus, when we look at Jesus in our, in our quiet times, It's there when we see him. The way we see him, it transforms us. And we begin to change from glory to glory. That is the value in spending time with Jesus. I'm going to end with this, the last point. Jesus said in John 15, verse 1 to 3, My father... Is the gardener. He owns this vineyard. He cares for this vineyard. He loves this vineyard. Jesus says, My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, I'm a father. I have two awesome kids. If they think I'm awesome, that that I'm not sure yet. (laughs) But I have two awesome awesome teenagers. And it is in any loving father's heart to see his children grow up and become mature young adults. But But can I say that having children grow into mature young adults does not happen by chance. It takes work. It takes a lot of encouraging, a lot of encouraging. It takes a lot of comforting, urging them along to see the fruit that you envision for their lives. Now, the Father in heaven is the same. He loves us, but He loves us too much for us not to grow up to maturity. Our Father in Heaven wants to see us, His children, the ones He loves dearly, to become fruitful in our lives. He wants us to become mature people who look just like His Son, Jesus. And the way that He does it, as Jesus says here in in, in John 15, He says He does it through a process called pruning. Now, I looked up the word pruning, and this is what I found. Pruning is a process of trimming a tree, shrub, or bush... By cutting away dead or overgrown branches or stems to encourage growth. So the way the Father prunes us is he removes all the negative things in our lives that would hinder our growth towards maturity. That is how God does it. Can we just quickly, lastly, just turn to Hebrews, Hebrews 12, and I'm going to read verses 4 to 6 first. There are two ways that God prunes us that I saw in this chapter. You know, yeah, you don't hear a lot of these, a lot of sermons on this, on this piece of scripture, because yeah, we live in a culture where discipline is always seen as a negative thing, but the biblical form or the biblical idea of discipline is actually training. So if if you read the word discipline in in, in the Bible, always think of of, of the word training. Because that's the biblical view of it. So there's two ways. God prunes us. Firstly, through our struggle with sin. Hebrews 12 verse 4 to 6 says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement? That he addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, his training. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord who disciplines, who trains, the one he loves. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he corrects everyone he accepts as his son. If there's, there's, in your struggle, if there's sin in your life that you're struggling with and you're wanting to see fruit, allow God to train you. Allow God to bring correction to that space in your life. God prunes us through our struggle with sin, and the aim of it is to get past it, to get over it, to get through it, that it, it, it no longer is part of us, that it actually falls off like a dead branch. And lastly, God prunes us as we learn to endure through hardship. Now, I'm not going to read through that scripture, the whole scripture, just for time. But Hebrews 12, verse 7, it starts off with, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. The Father uses tensions and challenges in our lives to shape our characters. God does not cause the hardship or difficulty but he does use them to train us. It's really up to us and how we approach and handle those times. It is very healthy to cultivate an attitude that learns to look at whatever difficulty life throws at you as an opportunity to grow from it. It's healthy to have that kind of attitude. Life throws you lemons, make lemonade. Learn to make lemonade. Here the writer of Hebrews tells us to endure hardship as discipline, to endure is training. This can only mean that to endure hardship, to endure hardship means to trust God. And I believe one of the biggest takeaways that we can learn from hardships and challenges in our lives is to trust God. And, this, and that, isn't that who we are ultimately? We are those who trust God. We have faith in God. Cool beans. Thank you.